Pastor Rick will bring us his next message from the Extreme Makeover Life Edition series. Good morning. Hey, uh, how many of you need your life made over? You're, okay, a few, a few of you have raised your hand. A few of you are ready to admit it. Others are saying, oh, well, wait a minute, I can't admit that I need that. Well, you know, that's what Christ gives us, a new life. He gives us a new life. And even, even when he gives that new life to us, a lot of times we kind of, uh, we tinker with it a little bit. Amen? We mess it up a little bit. We take it some places it shouldn't be. Oh, come on, somebody, help me right here now. Y'all get too quiet, I'll know I'm hitting you where you live, and I'll just have to stay there a while, you know? We take it some places it shouldn't be. We do some things with it should And all of a sudden, you know, we can get it right back in the same situation it was before we ever came to Christ. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that once we get this brand new life and new creation, that we hang on to it, we keep it. We, uh, uh, like I said last week, we wipe our feet. You know, we keep all that kind of stuff out of there. So today we're going to talk, we're going to talk about some hidden things today. We're going to talk about our private lives. God didn't want to just make over your public persona. He didn't want you to just start coming to church so everybody say, oh, wait, that must be a Christian because they show up at church. He didn't want you to, uh, you know, we don't really dress up around here, but, you know, he didn't want you to just, you know, buy suits and ties and, you know, high heels and start wearing them so people would think you were somebody. He wasn't worried about your reputation. He's worried about you the very innermost part of you. And so today we're going to talk about private lives. So go ahead, you know, take off your shoes, stick your toes out there, and let's get ready to get our feet stepped on, our toes stepped on today. And let's let God dig into really the place where we live. Not the place that we want everybody to see, the place where we live. Can you do that? Can you honestly do that? Can you let God really dig into the place that you live, who you really are? Can somebody do that? Say amen. You're going to let God dig into you today. Let him dig into you. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you, God, Lord, this uh, great spirit that we have, Lord, just enjoying your your fellowship and your presence, God. It's such an awesome thing. And, and Lord, we know that uh, salvation is free, but if we want blessings with that, God, there's some things that we've got to do with that, Lord. So I just just pray God help us. God, help us to... Accept whatever challenge it is that you give into our spirit, God. Uh, as I speak uh, one word to a group of people, I ask your Holy Spirit to speak individual words to everyone seated here. God, dig into us. God, remind us of stuff that, that we, we've, we've forgotten about as well. God, stuff that we've been hiding, stuff that we've not wanted to deal with. Maybe uh, faults that we've not confessed or, or sin that we've not, uh, not made retribution for. God, or whatever it is we need to do. God, please remind us. God, dig it out of us. God, help us. Put us in a place. God, because, God, I want all of your blessings. I want my family to be blessed. I want my future to be blessed. God, I, I, I want everything you have for me, for my family, for my church, and for my community, Lord. I pray, God, dig into us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Now, we've got something going on, just started this month, we call Growth Track. We've been doing it a different way on Wednesday nights. We just started it this month on Sunday evenings. And, and, and listen, this, this message here, and if God really digs into your heart, if you missed 201 last week, make sure you don't miss it next month. It'll be on the second Sunday evening of uh, November. It'll be the second Sunday evening of every, of every month. So if, you, if, if something, God starts digging into you, and if you were here last week, then get into your notes from last uh, Sunday night of what Jamie shared with us. But if you didn't, please make sure you're here because this is, this is really going really gonna to help you because, uh, you know, there's only so much I can 
preach to you in an hour and a half sermon. I said that because we got some visitors with us, and I wanted to scare them a little bit there. Uh, it's not going to be that long, I promise. There's only, there's only uh, so much I can say to you in a 30 or 40-minute sermon. But God's got so much more he wants to say to you, and we want to help you with that. And at Church 2911, we've got a, you know, we've got a, we've got a plan. You know, we, we've, we've got a plan from God of how to help you get beyond, you know, just, just barely getting your feet in the door of a church and barely getting your feet in the door of, of the family of God and barely getting your feet in the door of heaven one day. We've got a plan for that, and, and uh, part of that plan is the growth track. And so I encourage you, and listen, if you miss 101 or 201 or both, be here tonight at 301 anyway because some stuff we're going to share with you tonight is about how to really, really fulfill the dream that God has for your life. I mean, really making your, your life a dream life and not just the one that you've been struggling with and dealing with, okay? So let's get to some scripture. I did want to say that little commercial there for the growth track. You need to be here, okay, tonight. If at all possible, be here. But make sure you don't miss 201 next month if you missed it, especially if God starts digging something into you. I'll take you to some words that uh, Paul wrote to us in, in uh, 1 Corinthians. And he said, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Wait, we're the workers and the building. He said, we're the workers and the building. So if we're the building and we're the workers, that means we're working on ourselves, right? You see, some people think they just come to God and God fixes everything and everything's over. They don't have anything else to do after that. But he says, you are the workers and you are the building. You're both, so you're working on yourself. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Paul says, look, I came to you as as your pastor. He said, "I, I laid a foundation for you. And as a master builder, I was, I was very concerned about every single thing that I said to you, just like I was saying a few moments ago. We, we've we got a plan of this thing, you know, with the growth track and small groups and the things that we do around here. We've got a plan. You know, this is, this is something that we've tried to take as wise master builders to lay some good foundation for you. So take advantage of it. He says, and another builds on that foundation. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Now, foundation's laid, but everybody's got to build on the foundation their own lives because their own building is, is what is being built. And they need to take heed. Everybody say, take heed. I want you to get that, okay? For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ, the one I laid for you. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. So, you know, you can build with all kinds of stuff, but the fire is going to test your work. And some of these things are going to burn up. Some of these things are going to be purified when they go through the fire. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So he's, he's, he's sharing this with us. That, you know, if you build stuff that is not going to be eternal, if you're building stuff that is temporal into your building of who you are, that stuff's going to be destroyed by the fire and the judgment that is coming. You know, the wood, the hay, and the stubble. But if you build it out of good stuff, you build it out of gold, silver, precious stones, when it goes through the fire, you know, that stuff is purified when it goes through the fire. And, and that's the stuff that you're going to receive as a reward. So it's the stuff that you're building into your lives that you're going to receive as a reward. But if all you're building is temporal stuff, and all you're building are those priorities we talked about last week, that are the world's priorities, you know, push them out of the way. But if, if that's what you're building, all that stuff's going to be burned up in the day of judgment and the fire. It's not, it's not going to be worth anything to you. If you want anything of, of, of reward, if you want anything of eternal, then you're going to have to build of eternal things. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? Okay, now here he takes it a step deeper and a step further. He says you're a building. But now he tells you what building you are. You're not just any building. 
You're not just any structure out there. You're not just anywhere. You are the temple of God. He, he created you, and he has all these dreams for your life because as he was creating you and forming you in your mother's womb, he was thinking about the person you could grow up to be and all the, all the possibilities and opportunities that you would have and, and, and the chances that you would actually take and accept and go after and the successes that you would have. He was dreaming all of that, but the thing he was dreaming more than anything was that he would be able to live inside of you. That's what he created you to be. He created you to be his temple. And so as you, as you build on this foundation, you need to take heed how you build because he wants to live inside of you. You're the temple of God. The spirit of, of God lives in you. And if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And so he says, if anyone defiles the temple of God, that's why, that's why I said last week, you know, hey, wipe your feet before you go into this place. This is a different place than you've ever been in. This is a different house. God's given us something new. God's given us an awesome new life in him. So, hey, wipe your feet. Don't defile this temple. All the stuff that you're picking up out there, you know, in the world, the stuff that you pick up from uh, your, your friends and your relationships and uh, the things that you're picking up from, from uh, you know, media that you uh, watch or listen to and some stuff you probably shouldn't watch or listen to. All that stuff, you need to wipe your feet and come back into this house that God has built for you and start rebuilding it in the right way. So there are four things from uh, Extreme Makeover Home Edition. We're talking about Life Edition. But Extreme uh, Makeover, how many of you have seen the show, Extreme Makeover, Home Edition, on Sunday nights, I think it is, and probably in reruns all week long. I don't, I, I don't even know. But if you've seen it, you know there's some things that you know are going to be in every single, every single episode. And there are, four, there are four things. There are four things I want to bring to you that, that, that are in every episode. There's four things that are given. These are four things that they're going to do every single time they build a house for somebody. Four things. And the first one is, is that they, they, have this, they have this idea and this knowledge. And, and you know this as well if you wa ever watch the show. You know when you watch it that there's going to be something totally different about this new house than the old house was. It's going to be, it's not going to look anything like it. I mean, that one last week, you know, that we were showing, you know, we got the before and after pictures of it right here. I mean, you know, I th uh, one of those last week that we were showing, I mean, it, you know, it, it looked like it was, you know, uh, pretty much a, a slum in, in the backwoods or something. You know, uh, I, don't e I don't even know all the damage that is there. But then look at this. I mean, it looks like a, to me, it looked like a Japanese pagoda or something. It doesn't even look like it's in the same neighborhood. It looks like it's in another country or something. And so that's a given that's something they understand. If you watch the show, you know this, is that this new thing is going to look something totally different. I mean, when that bus moves and they see that, it's going to be, wow. I mean, so, uh, even the grounds are going to look different. Everything about it is going to be different. Why? Second, uh, Second, Corinthians, Second Corinthians tells us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is the expectation is that things are going to be different. Things are going to be new. And as, and as you are allowing God to help you build this life on this new foundation that he's, going to get, that he's given you, as you're help, letting God help you build this, there is an expectation that this thing is going to be different. It's not going to be the same. You're not, going to, you're not supposed to have the same tastes anymore. You're not supposed to have the same likes anymore. And even if you're still uh, connected to some of the same people in relationship that you had before you became a Christian, that relationship is going to be different, especially if they're not a Christian and they do things that, that would lead you away from Christ. Your relationship with them now, even if you maintain that relationship, it has to be different. There's a whole lot of stuff that's going to be different because 
of this new life in Christ. It's not going to be the same. Can I tell you something? You know, I, I think this is I, I think this is one of those tweetable tweetable words right here. You know, I think any good sermon ought to have a couple of tweetable words in it. And I think this I think this is one of them. So I want you to hear this. this is something I feel like God spoke to me this week. I want you to hear this. Is Jesus didn't die for your sins so that you could continue to live in them. That wasn't his purpose. You think about, you think about all the trouble that they went to. You ever, I mean, you've seen the show, right? You know, they send them off and, I don't know, spend a, several thousand dollars on a vacation sending them off somewhere. And they bring in all these people and they pay all this money to buy all of the, all of the, 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 the lumber, the wood, and all the, the appliances. I know a lot of that is given, but they bring all these people in. A lot of people take time off from the work. And, and all this time and all this effort is spent. And wouldn't it be foolish for them to erect the exact same structure that was there before they tore it down? Wouldn't it be foolish? Can I ask you this question? Then isn't it also foolish for heaven to spend every single thing it has on buying your salvation for you to just turn around and rebuild the exact same life you had before you came to know Jesus Christ? You say, well, what did he invest? He invested the best he had to offer. Jesus Christ was, was, was heaven's special precious treasure and 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 heaven invested the very best it had to give and it would be foolish then for us to expect that we're going to have the same life. he didn't die so that you could have the same life he died so you could have a a, a, a different life but a better life a, a richer life a fuller life a, a greater life a bigger life in him to be closer to him he died so that he could be he could dwell in you you could be his temple that's that's the kind of building he died for you to have so that there could be something worthwhile built on that new foundation. I mean, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't build that same old house on that new foundation, would you? So that's the second thing. The second thing that is a given about extreme, is they're going to lay a new foundation. Now, foundation, that is definitely something that is hidden, right? I mean, most of the time, you don't ever see the foundation. It's, it's underground. And, you know, some people say, well, you know, we could, we could get away without having to redo the foundation. Now, that's the kind of attitude you have if you're selling, if you're building a house to sell it and you just want to save money. But heaven didn't want to save money on this thing. Heaven didn't, heaven didn't scrimp one bit on building you a new life. Heaven spent everything that it had. It, it, it bankrupted heaven, you could say, because it sent Jesus Christ, God's only son. And so, so heaven wasn't interested in saving money. He, heaven was interested in giving you the very best house, building, life, that you can have. And that's, that's what they're doing in an extreme makeover. And so, so they tear up the foundation. It's, it's a given. We're going to tear up the foundation. There's not, we're not going to build on the old foundation. We've got to have a new foundation. Do you know what the foundation, you know, the foundation sets some things. Once you have a foundation, then you have set some things about the size of your house. You say, you know, I mean, if you, you build a little small foundation, you know, about 1,000 square feet, that's all you can build of a house. You say, oh, we can go up. No, you can't. Not unless you built the foundation to hold two stories or three stories or four or whatever you want. Everything begins at the foundation, and the foundation has to be right. And the foundation has to be set, and the foundation has to be good. Look at, look at me, if, if you will. Let's jump to Matthew. It says, No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear... Look at this. The tear is made worse. Look at this. This, this is a, an old parable, basically, that Jesus is, is saying here. He said, if you, were, if you were to repair a piece of cloth, he said, you wouldn't mix old cloth and new cloth. 
Because even if it's an old cloth, but it's something you're trying to fix, you would, you would try to match it with the same cloth. You, would, you wouldn't even, uh, you, some people say, well, if, if you put a, a good piece of cloth on it, but he said, no, you can't do that. You know what happens? As soon as you wash it, you know that, that piece of new cloth is going to shrink, and then it's going to be pulling away, and there's going to be a tear there that is just as bad as the tear you had in the first place. That's what he's saying here. That's what the parable is. Is you don't mix new and old cloth together. He goes on the next verse. He says, uh, he gives another parable in the same way. He says, nor do they put new wine into old wineskins. Because if you put new wine into old wineskins, the wineskins will break. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined too. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. You don't put, old wine, you don't put new wine into old wineskins, or you destroy the wine, and you destroy the wineskins. And you destroyed everything. He's saying, again, you don't mix the old and the new. You know, it's got to be the same. And so you don't, you know, you got to start with a new foundation if you want a new house. And, you, and if you want a, a new house, you got to have a new foundation. I mean, you know, they go back and forth. They, they both connect there. You've got to have both. Now listen, here's, this is an abstract thought, and some of you concrete thinkers may not get it, okay? So I may have to talk to you after church. I may have to explain this to you, you know, if you're really a concrete thinker. But this is a little bit of an abstract thought, but see if you can follow me in this. You see, when, when, once you set your foundation, your foundation sets a limit on what you can be. Like I was saying, that 1,000 square foot. That sets a limit on what you can build once you've got your foundation set. And that's the problem is because most of us, we build our lives on the foundation of our experience. Our experience with God, even. And that's a good thing. But don't build, but don't build your foundation. Don't let your foundation be based on your experience. Uh, some of us, are, we're building our lives based on our past failures and mistakes. Because we've got in our head that we can only build so big because we have just messed up so many times. Some of you need to raise your hand and say, that's me. Pray for it. Don't, don't, don't raise your hand. But some of you need to say, that's me, Pastor. Help, help me get out of this. Help me break this and get rid of this old foundation of all my mistakes. And everything I'm building is building on that. Yeah, you need to get rid of that. That's why, that's why we're going to need to dig that up and get rid of that and get back to a real foundation. And see, in any foundation that you build on yourself, it's going to be built on your past. And even on your past successes. I mean, I don't care how good you were yesterday. Don't build your future on your past successes because your past successes are this big. And there's something that is bigger than that that God can build into your life. Your foundation does not need to be your past. Your foundation needs to be His dream of your future. I know that's kind of abstract, is how do you have a future foundation that's not, it's because it's his dream. You don't need to be building your foundation on the, on the stuff that you know and the stuff that you've already learned and the stuff that you've been through and the stuff that you've done in your life. You need to, you need to let your foundation be Jesus Christ and what he is planning for you because he's got this big, huge dream house that he wants to give you as a life and he wants to move into that. But the only way you can do that is, is for you to, Open up your mind and say, God, I'm ready for it to be you and whatever it is you plan. And so let your foundation be whatever God lays out there for it. And you know what? If it's, if it's big enough, you won't even be able to see it all at one time. You, you ever been to a construction site for a big, huge building? You know, you, could, you couldn't view the whole foundation at one time. Even though it was all level, you couldn't view the whole foundation at one time. You'd have to walk here and walk there and walk there and walk there. And so that's what we do in our finite concrete minds. And we say, you know, that, uh, well, i got to see it to be able to build on it. No, you don't. You just got to have faith and say, God, I want your foundation. I want, I want you. I want your prayers your, for me. I want your dreams for me. 
I want your intercessions for me. I want your ideas. I want your plans for me. Everything. I want that to be my foundation. Now, God, show me how to start building on that because he's got things he wants to do through you in the next 10 or 20 years, way on down the road, that you can't even fathom today. And if, you are, and if you're going to build a foundation today on what you know and your experience and what I can tell you in 30 or 40 minutes, you're not ever going to get there. You need to say, God, please help me see this foundation and build on you and, your, and what you are planning for me for my future. That's, that's, that's a little abstract, but I, I hope I explained it because I'm, I'm pretty much a concrete thinker sometimes too. And so if I lost you on that, let's talk about that later. But I think I got it to you. The third thing. The third thing is that there's going to be an, eradic- an eradication. There needs to be. There will have to be a purging that takes place. You see, a lot of houses, and this is some of that hidden stuff, that private life stuff, a lot of houses that they've, that they've uh, come in contact with on Extreme Makeover have termite damage. Uh, if I talk long enough here, you'll see some with mold, mildew damage. And you know what you do? You know what you do with, with termite damage? You don't, you don't you know, go buy some spackling and spackle over it. You know what you do with mold damage? You don't go get some bleach and squirt it on there and clean it up. Or, you know, you might do it if it was a treehouse. You might do it if it, you know, if it was a, you know, a hunter's building, you know, a, you know, a deer stand or something. You might, you might do it for that, but not when it's your house. Not when it's the building that God has created you to have. Not, not when it's the, that thing. When, when, it's, when there's mold there, you don't, you don't fix mold. You don't clean mold. You don't mend mold. You don't alter mold. You know what you do with mold? I can show you from, I can show you from Scripture in Leviticus. It's right here. Then the priest shall come and look. And indeed, if the plague is spread in the house, it is an active leprosy in the house. It is unclean. And he shall break down the house, its stones, its timbers, and all the plaster of the house, and he shall carry them outside the city to an unclean place. And what they're talking about here, what they call it a leprosy, they're talking about a mold, a mildew in the house. And you know what you do with that? You tear it down. You break down this house, you break down its stones, you break down its timbers, and all the plaster of the house, and you carry them outside the city and get rid of them. You don't even bury them in your backyard. You know, you don't even put them in your trash can. You get them out of the city. You don't fix mold, you don't mend mold, you don't clean mold, you eradicate mold. And when you came to know Jesus Christ, when you first came to God, Now, if you come to God today for the very first time, you come to him, here's the truth. There are some things in your life that cannot be fixed, and you don't need them to be fixed. There are some things in your life that need to be eradicated. There are some things in your life that need to be purged. There are some things in your life that need to be broken down just piece by piece. God, let's get rid of this. God, I need to get rid of this. God, I need to get rid of this. Broken down, and they just need to be carried out outside the city. And the obvious, uh, uh, the obvious symbolism here, if you, if, if, if you don't see it and don't understand it, is that that's where our sin is taken. Because the sin that was placed on Jesus, he, he took it on his shoulders, he took it on himself to be crucified. It, it, he was taken outside the city and he was crucified. And so it's just like our sin. And all, so all the stuff that we've got in our life, all this stuff, 
And it's like this stuff, you know, if, if you just try to clean it with a squirt bottle of bleach, you'll get rid of the stuff you can see. But it's the stuff you don't see. It's the stuff that you can't see. It's what's going to come back and haunt your family the next 20 years while you try to raise little kids and they've, all, they've always got some, some kind of a sinus or lung problem because you didn't get rid of everything that was there. You got rid of what you could see. And see, if we're not careful, that's what we'll do with our private lives is we'll say, well, it looks pretty good. I, I look pretty cleaned up, you know, and, and nobody at church knows anything is wrong or going on that shouldn't be. And if you're not cleaning out your private life, That'll be the thing that keeps coming back and just digging at your family over and over and over. This is the thing that's going to come back and dig at, dig at, your, at your health over and over. It's the thing that's going to come back and dig at your spirituality, dig at your relationship with Jesus Christ over and over and over. And you'll never be free from it until you go back and you take it down piece by piece. Say, God, help me get rid of this, get rid of this, get rid of this, get rid of this. There has to be an eradication. There has to be a purging. What are those things that need to be purged? What are those things that need to be eradicated? You know, when uh, I went down to uh, went down to New Orleans, uh, and this was man, this was probably two months after after Katrina had hit, and we were there and and doing doing some work. And I went into I went into a house and just to take some pictures, and I was trying to take pictures because I was really trying to help people get a, an idea of the destruction that was there. I went into a house and and the mold. They said they had three different kinds of mold that were growing there, and I I don't know what that means exactly, other than it sounds. Worse to me than one kind of mold. They said there were basically three kinds of molds that were growing in this house. I went in this house, and I wasn't in there five minutes snapping pictures, and I walked outside choking and coughing. I couldn't see any mold, not in the air. I could see some signs on, you know, on, the, on the wall. I could see some things like that, but it, that wasn't what was, what was affecting me. That wasn't what was choking me. That wasn't what was possibly doing damage to my lungs at that moment. I mean, people were, people were uh, being hospitalized. For the mold getting down in their lungs. And it doesn't, it's not the stuff that you can see that gets down in your lungs. It's the stuff that's floating around, that, that private, hidden stuff. That stuff that, well, nobody knows about that sin. Well, nobody knows about that failure. You know, I, I can kind of keep that one hidden. Hmm. There's a sad story. There's a sad story in the Old Testament. I, I wasn't going to tell this, but I, I, just, I just had God just quicken me with this. There's a sad story in the Old Testament about a, a priest's family. Eli had two sons, two sons that were evil, yet they worked at God's house. And they, they did the things that you and I kind of do, but in, a, in an Old Testament way, they did the same kind of things you and I do when we come to church on Sunday morning in a New Testament way. But there was sin in their life. They were doing despicable things, things I don't even tell you about. I, I don't even want to say, that, tell you the things that they were doing. I mean, you know, there, there are some mental images, you know, I really don't need in my head, you know. And so I don't want it in your head right now, especially while I'm preaching about something else. It's despicable, the things that they were doing. And God sent word to Eli. And he sent word again. And he sent word again. And Eli didn't deal with it. He, oh, he kind of told his sons. He said, look, y'all need to quit doing that. Sounded more like a granddad than a dad, didn't he? Now, I can say that because I'm a granddad, okay? Because he said, y'all need to quit doing that. But he didn't do anything about it. 
And they didn't do anything about it. And we find that they both perished sometime after that. On the same day, in perhaps one of the darkest days of Israel. On the day that the glory departed from Israel. What a sad thing to be a member of the priesthood family, but to lose it all over unrepentant sin. To lose it all and, 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 and to be a part of the moment of Israel losing its glory. To, to be a part of that moment that, that you, you were part of what caused it. They were actually part of what caused it. I, I don't have time to tell you this whole story, but they were actually part of what, what, a, what a horrible final moment of their life to be a part of probably one of the darkest days of Israel, the day the glory departed from Israel, the day God's presence left them. And they both died this day. You know, God is a, he's a just God, but he is a merciful God, isn't he? Man, he's a God full of grace and a God full of love. He's a God that has long-suffering and patience, and he, and he gives us opportunity after opportunity, and just like those two guys, he did. He sent them word, and he sent them word, and he sent them word again. But eventually God says, look, you just can't keep doing this. He said, you've got to change something. You've got to change something. Or God says, I've got I, I to change something. <clears throat> and so he, here's the answer for us. If you're God's child, do you want to tear down the wall? Or you want God to come in and tear down the wall? You say, I'd rather, I'd rather deal with it today than God have to show up and do it in a judgment way. I can't think of a, I can't think of a more strong, challenging moment I've had Standing here before congregation of 2911 since I've been here. But we're talking about third year and going somewhere. And if we're going somewhere, we ain't going to get there by hiding the stuff that God wants out of us. We got to deal with some stuff. There has to be an eradication. There has to be a per- Do you want me to name sins? Is that what we need? Do we need the pastor to name sins? Because you know where I'm going to start? I'm going to start with my pet peeve, gossip. Now, thankfully, I had not had to deal with that here. But every other church I've ever pastored, I had to. And you just wait long enough. You wait long enough. It's going to happen here, too. And I'm just praying, God, you just kill it as soon as it starts. But, I mean, do I, do I need to name sins? Do I need to, do I need to say, you know, if you're doing this or you're doing Because I'll, I'll forget somebody, and somebody will say, he didn't see mine. And you'll walk out of here thinking, it's private. It's hidden. It's like the foundation. Nobody can see it. It's like the mold. Nobody can see. I cleaned it up enough. I look good enough. And, it's so, and you're going to walk in here just like Eli's two sons, unrepentant. So, so I, don't, I don't need to name sins. I don't need to name failures or faults or, or mistakes. Or, you know, and, and even those, those sins of omission as well, the things that we know we should be doing and we're not doing. Because Scripture says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it not, it is sin to that person. 
Is it sin? Is it sin to, to you know, because sin is missing the mark. Sin is disobedience. And when God has told us to do something, whether it's repent, you know, or, or sell our house and give the money away, you know, whatever it is, if God tells us to do it, that's a, that's a requirement for obedience. And, and not doing it is disobedience and it's sin. I just, I like, let me tell you something, I could stand here right now today and I could tell you, man, I, look at you. I, I mean, there's a few people that were here before I got here. And there's about three times as many as that in this service. And unless everybody's sick or out of town and we don't know about it, there's going to be even more than that in the second service. I can stand here and tell you about, man, God has been awesome. This is just great. Let's don't stir the apple cart or tip over the apple cart. Let's don't stir up anything right here. But let me tell you, now here's where I'm at. I am so excited about what God has done. But I know tomorrow there's even more. I know next week there's even deeper. There's greater. There is stuff that God wants to do. Listen, I, I, I could tell you, we, we, oh man, somebody's got to help me here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be here all day with this. Last Tuesday night in our small group, we went around the room and almost every single couple in our small group said something awesome about what God was doing in their life. About opportunities that God was giving to them for, you know, struggling financially and boom, 20 hours of overtime in one week was offered. You know, somebody, somebody's just trying to get some stability in their lives, and, and boom, in one day, make an offer on a house, and it's accepted. And they're moving forward on getting the, getting the financing on that. And we went around the room over and over and over. And can I tell you, that's, that's exciting, that's awesome. But let's not build the foundation just based on what God's done up to this point. Let's broaden it and say, God... I want to clean out everything that I've got inside of me that's going to hinder you whatsoever from doing the most awesome thing you want to do in my life. And let's believe God to build a foundation in us that is about tomorrow that is going to be even greater than all the, all the praise reports that I'm hearing from all of you about loved ones coming to know Jesus Christ, about salvation experiences, about, uh, about finances being met, uh, about opportunities for jobs and, and new opportunities. And some of you praying and, and you praying too hard for job opportunities. We got one young man that got three all, just about all at one time, you know, praying too hard for opportunities. You know, praise God for that. But God's got even more that he wants to do. But the only way we're going to get there it's to broaden that and say, yeah, God, do whatever it is you want. And to get there, we've also got to do some eradicating and some purging. Jamie, come on, if you will. I've I got to close this. I've got to get to a close because there's one last thing. I don't know if you've been keeping count, but there's a fourth thing that's right there. And it's called prevention. It's prevention. You know, it's, a, it's the thing that you don't see here in, the, here, here in the video right here. You know, when, when they show you the house at the end, and they take you on a, a little video tour. It's the thing you don't see. It's the prevention. You don't see any prevention there, do you? I just see beauty. I just, I just say, man, this is awesome. That's a wonderful house. All of us would like to have that house. But you don't see the prevention. You know what I'm talking about? The prevention. That if this was a house, the house before it had had problem with termites, you know what you do before you start putting down the foundation, don't you? You start treating for termites. If the, if the former house had a mold problem, you don't just build right on top of that. No, that, that's, you're probably going to dig out a lot of topsoil. You're going to treat that. You're going to make sure that there's no more. There's some prevention there that we don't see. Okay, here's what we call it in our spiritual life. We call it margin. Somebody say margin. Do you have any margin? 
If you're an alcoholic, if you're an alcoholic, you don't go to the bars and hang out with the old people that you used to hang out with. Come on, somebody say amen. I mean, you know, that's the thing. we got to build some margin in our lives. we got to put ourselves in a place and say, wait a minute, you know, I, I can't go. You know, I, I gave you this illustration some time ago, and my goodness, my mind is racing about a million miles an hour, and I could, I could preach to you another two hours about this. But I gave you this illustration just not too long ago about, about you know, if you, you get out there in, on Mount Olive Road and, and you walk down that center stripe, you, you can't fall in the ditch. You'd have to run and jump in the ditch from the middle of the road, right? I heard, that, I heard that a long time ago when I was a kid. It's hard to fall in the ditch from the middle of the road. I mean, if you're walking down that center stripe, you'd have to tumble about four times to get into the ditch. You can't accidentally stumble and fall and make a mistake when you set margins in your life. And we need some margins back in our life. Oh, my goodness, God, you really want me to dig into it this much? I mean, you know, just, I just feel and hear God just, just challenging us today. You know, how, how long has it been? Can I, I ask you this question? I believe in the direction of God. How long has it been since you said, wait a minute, this isn't good for a Christian, and you hit the off button on the remote control? How long has it been since you said, wait a minute, this relationship is no good for me, and you unfriended somebody on Facebook? Or you deleted their number out of your cell phone. How long has it been since you said, wait a minute, this is... And listen, it's obvious. There are some movies that it's obvious. Boom, it, it comes on. You know, you hear, you hear about five cuss words in the first 30 seconds. Man, you're looking for the remote. Trailer. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about stuff that you say, well, you know what? I could get to heaven by, and still watch this movie. I can get to heaven and still be friends with this person. I can get to heaven and still hang out these same places. But if I'm going to be everything that God wants me to be, and my, 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 my life is going to be what God dreamed it would be, and if my marriage is going to be what God wanted it to be, and if my kids are going to become the heroes that God intended them to be, and if I'm going to have the impact in this society, in this community that God intends me to have, then, yeah, I can get to heaven with this, but I can't be that with this. And so you start turning stuff off, and you start unfriending people, and you start saying, I can't go to those places anymore. How long has it been since you made a decision like that? Not because you can't get to heaven, but because you can't be who God called you to be. Stand with me, if you will. Please, come to the front with you. And let's close this out. Will you come with me? i got a scripture to read with you. Can, can you listen and walk at the same time? Jesus said, this is the man at Bethesda. The, the man who was, who was a cripple all of his life. Uh, been there for, for years and years. And God heals him. And afterward, Jesus finds him and says, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come on you. He, he, was, he, was, he was healed. Step this way, if you will. Let's get some people out of that side aisle over there. Let's all get down here together. He was healed. His life was put together. His, his, building, his building was what it needed to be. And then, but then Jesus said, hey, you better start wiping your feet. You better start hitting that off button on the remote control. You better start putting some margin in your life. Because there's some stuff that's about to happen in your life that ain't going to be good. And if you sin, a worse thing might come on you. Worst thing. A man had been crippled for all those years, and a worse thing might come upon me. Yeah, that's what he says. You've been given a great, beautiful, wonderful gift. But he says a worse thing could come. You gotta keep it clean. If you live the same, you think about these people living in that old house. 
if they live in the new house the same way as they lived in the old house, it won't be long. That new house is just going to be a bigger mess than the old house was. It's going to be bigger. And it's going to have more expensive trash in it. But it's still going to be full of trash. It's going to be destroyed. I'm headed somewhere. I'm headed somewhere, I believe. I believe this church is headed somewhere. And you know what I don't want? I've seen this everywhere I've pastored. It's people get, start getting blessed. If there's some that are left out because they, they don't want to make the commitment. They don't want to accept the challenge. They don't want to put aside. My goodness, let me tell you something. I just, just got to be honest with you. This, this message just changed, changed moods today right here in this service. It, it, this, mood, this message did not have this mood even this morning going through it again, praying about it. It just changed moods right here in the middle of this. God is calling Close your eyes with me. God's calling us to deal with some stuff. <laughs> some stuff that's, you got some stuff that's standing in your way. You remember the first point last week? Get out of God's way. Get that junk out of God's way. Quit rebuilding in your life the stuff that God saved you from. Quit bringing back into your life the stuff that God has delivered you from, the stuff that He died for, the stuff that He gave His own blood for. Quit, quit bringing that stuff back into your life. You still got your toes out there? Got sore this morning, didn't it? Let's pray. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Don't start singing until you finish praying. God, I'm sorry.